1: It really is a a blessing to be here with all of you. And it really is a a great honor to be able to stand here in this pulpit and preach the Word of God. As Travis was just saying, I I grew up here. And years ago, I was really, I was actually on this stage just about every week. I I was playing drums in the youth band. So uh, good times back then, good memories. Uh, And if someone back then had suggested that I would be standing right here, that I'd be in this position that I am right now, I'm pretty sure I would have laughed at that idea. But isn't that how how God works sometimes? His ways are higher than our ways. Amen? Well, as Travis was just saying, uh, this evening we are continuing our study of Hebrews 11, the great faith hall of fame that Pastor Tony introduced us to last week. The writer of Hebrews is encouraging believers to press on, to persevere in the faith, uh, in the face of trials, persecution, and worldly temptations. And he does so by providing this all-star lineup of Old Testament figures who live by faith. This is the team that we want to be on. And if we observe their actions and follow their example, we will be commended and rewarded by God in the same way as these heroes of the faith. So I don't know about you, but I find that to be incredibly motivating. We've already talked or looked at three examples of faith from the opening chapters of Genesis. Uh, Last week, Pastor Tony talked about Abel, uh, Enoch, and Noah. And so now we are going to turn our attention to the person that Paul describes as the great father of our faith, Abraham. When considering the faith of Abraham, we often recall the story of how he was willing and fully intended to uh, sacrifice his son Isaac. That was an act of obedience to the Lord, And this was certainly a powerful display of faith, as the writer of Hebrews will point out here just in a little bit in the chat later on in the chapter. But for our text this evening, we are going to look at Abraham's faith from a much wider perspective. When we zoom out and look at Abraham's entire life, what do we learn about his faith and how does it speak to us today? And so this evening, we are going to see that by faith, Abraham and his family lived as strangers in a foreign land. Or in other words, they lived as sojourners. So if you'll look there at the top of your outline, if you have the worship guide there, you can open that up and follow along. I want to begin with a simple definition of the word sojourner. A sojourner is a temporary dweller in an unfamiliar place. A sojourner is a temporary dweller in an unfamiliar place. And so together we'll see this definition fleshed out as we go through the text. But right away, uh, some of you may be thinking... Why, why is it important for me to know that Abraham was a sojourner? You might be saying to yourself, I was, uh, I was born and raised right here in Chattanooga. All my family still lives here, and I never, I never have any intention of leaving this place. Well, can I tell you something? If you are a follower, follower of Christ, you are living as a sojourner right now. That's what Peter tells us. Check this out. It's in First Peter 2.11. It's there on your outline as well. He writes, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. So in what sense are we sojourners? Well, we are all temporary dwellers in this corrupted flesh. It's fading and it's falling apart. Uh, I think we all know that. And as believers, we are living as misfits, and outsiders in an unfamiliar world, a world that has, by and large, rejected Christ and rejected his message. And so for these reasons and others, we can relate to Abraham's experience as a sojourner. And therefore, we want to follow his example of faith. So if you haven't turned there already, I'd encourage you to take out your Bibles. It will be in in Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll be picking up in verse 8. In our time together, I want us to consider three aspects of a sojourner's faith as exemplified by Abraham and his family. So again, beginning in Hebrews 11, verse 8. The first point on your outline there, the faith of a sojourner is a faith that pursues the mission. A faith that pursues the mission. In verses 8 and 9, we see that true faith is marked by action. So let's look at this together. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham would not have been commended by God if he simply received and internalized his call without ever stepping out into faith. In order to pursue something, there must be forward motion. I saw this; uh, it was on this on-the-scene newscast the other day, and the caption there at the at the bottom of the screen screen it read: A "Canadian police chase." And it caught my attention, so I decided to watch this for a second. And as you might expect, there were a, a couple of guys in this getaway car, and they were trying to ditch the police. Uh, but unlike other, uh, unlike other pursuits that I've seen on TV, there was no, uh, no helicopter that came in uh, to track the vehicle. Uh, no, none of the officers ever laid down the, the spike strips on the ground, and no one tried to ram this car off the road. And why not? Well the getaway car and the police car were both stuck spinning their tires on an icy road. <laughs> it, this is in Canada. And so they were, and they were just 10 feet apart from each other. And the best part was the, the officer in the passenger side of the car gets out of the cop car. And rather than just walking the 10 feet and arresting these guys, he goes to the back of his car and begins pushing it, trying to, trying to chase these guys down. Now, of course, this, it was just it was a humorous video, uh, just having a nice little uh, jab at our neighbors to the north, but it, it really gets this, gets this point across. That faith that pursues is a faith that moves. So what exactly was the mission that Abraham pursued by faith? From these verses, we do know that Abraham went out in order to receive his inheritance. But was this the ultimate reason that God called Abraham. Well, if we go back to Genesis 12, where Abraham's sojourning begins, we find the greater purpose that God was calling Abraham to. This is in Genesis 12:1 through 3 and the Lord says to Abraham, "'Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing.'" In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This was the mission Abraham pursued by faith, that God would bless the nations through him. And how would this happen exactly? Well, in two primary ways. One, as Abraham's descendants worshipped and followed the one true God, the nations around them would witness the mighty acts of God, and they would join in this worship as well, and they would experience the Lord's blessing. And two... All nations are ultimately blessed through the son of Abraham, the promised seed, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. So I want to draw out two key truths from Abraham's faithful pursuit of the mission. First, we see that faith is exercised through obedience. Faith is exercised through obedience. This relationship between faith and obedience is made explicit here in the first part of verse 8 where it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And we saw this last week as well uh, in the life of Noah. And I simply want to reiterate a point that, that Pastor Tony made because I believe it's further supported by this verse here. Like Noah, Abraham heard the word of the Lord, he obeyed the word of the Lord, and then he was blessed because of his obedience. So this pattern of hearing, obeying, and then receiving the Lord's blessing, that that directly applies to us as well. A sure sign of our faith in God is an act of obedience to his word. And when we obey, we have the promise that God will bless our lives. Not only is faith exercised through obedience, it is also evidenced by trust. Faith is evidenced by trust. The rest of verse 8 says, And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Now, if you have, if you have any question as to what faith looks like, here's your answer right here. In order to pursue the mission that God had given him, what did Abraham do? He packed up all of his possessions... And then along with his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all their servants, they left their home in Haran and they set out without even knowing their final destination. It's, it's astounding. Just to put this in perspective, after leaving Haran and Mesopotamia, Abraham traveled roughly 400 miles uh, over mountains and across desert. They were exposed to the elements and they were in real danger of being attacked by thieves along the way. And yet, what does Abraham do? He presses on. It wasn't until he arrived at Shechem in the land of Canaan that the Lord said to Abraham, To your offspring I will give this land. As a sojourner, Abraham trusted that God would protect, that he would provide for, and that he would eventually place his family there in the promised land. And God proved himself trustworthy, just like he has time and time again in our own lives. When I first sensed the Lord calling me into ministry, there were many questions and uncertainties that I struggled with. Uh, These were some of the thoughts that were going through my head at the time. How would my wife, Chelsea, feel about this? Uh, When should I leave my secular job? Could we afford the cost of seminary? And where would the Lord eventually take us in the future? I was looking for answers then, and I still have other questions today. But one thing I'm certain of is that God can be trusted. Because he is sovereign, he is good, and his word is sure. We also see that Abraham continued to trust God as a sojourner in the promised land. Verse 9 reads, By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. So we have to remember that neither uh, Abraham, Isaac, nor Jacob ever gained possession of the land during their lifetime. Rather, they lived as foreigners there among the people of Canaan. I also don't want us to miss the fact that Abraham and his heirs lived in tents. Now, why why is this significant? Because a tent is a a temporary structure that lacks a foundation. It really is symbolic of the sojourner's entire life experience. And in a a very small way, I I can relate to this nomadic lifestyle. In in 2011, I had the opportunity to to serve overseas on the mission field. I was traveling for almost a year, and all of my belongings had to fit into uh, one of these uh, hiking backpacks. Including my my temporary residence for the year, which was a, a two person tent. we actually have a picture of it, so that was that was my home for a year. Uh, it was an incredible experience ministering in various countries around the world, but living in a tent was definitely not definitely not the most enjoyable part of that trip. It was often wet and cold and dirty, as you might imagine, and this this second photo here, so this is our little tent village. As you can see there, there was also very little privacy. Uh, But what was most difficult about living in a tent was the feeling of not belonging, not having a permanent dwelling. The longer that I was away from home, the more I longed to be here at home. So here's the question. How was Abraham able to leave his homeland, travel to this unknown destination, and live as a temporary dweller in an unfamiliar place? because his spiritual gaze was fixed on an inheritance even greater than the land that had been promised to him. By faith, Abraham was assured of the lasting city. Abraham was assured of the lasting city. Continuing on in verse 10, we read, For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham was willing to live as a sojourner because his hope was grounded in God's promise of an eternal home. Every city, civilization, empire that has been built with uh, human hands has eventually come uh, crumbling down. Think of ancient Rome, for example. Rome was actually described as the eternal city, but if you've, if you've seen pictures or if you've been there before, you know what's left. It's just, just the ruins. The truth is there is only one city that will last forever, the new Jerusalem. It is entirely secure, it is unshakable, and it cannot be destroyed. Why? Because God himself is the designer and the builder. Therefore, with Abraham, let us also seek this lasting city by faith. Now, before we move on to our next point, I want to consider an important question for us as believers. If Abraham's mission was to be a blessing to the nations, what is the mission that we must pursue by faith? Well, church, we are called to make disciples of all nations. These are the marching orders that we have received directly from the mouth of Jesus. But we cannot forget that apart from faith... Any effort that we make to pursue this mission, it will be futile. So therefore, we must pursue the mission by faith. Keeping this wide perspective of Abraham's faith in mind, the writer of Hebrews is now going to draw us into a dramatic storyline with both Abraham and Sarah. We've witnessed how Abraham pursued the mission by faith. Now we're going to see a faith that embraces the promise. Faith that embraces the promise. Point number two there on your outline. Verse 11, we read, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. One of the the main reasons why the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac is so astonishing is because of the circumstances surrounding Isaac's birth. So I want us to step into this situation and look closely here at a few significant moments in the life of Abraham and Sarah leading up to the birth of Isaac. Going all the way back to Genesis 11.30, even before Abraham was called by God, we are told that Sarah was barren. Amazingly, this did not hinder Abraham or Sarah from pursuing uh, and believing that initial promise that God would bless them with a child and that a great nation would come from them. However, many years passed, and that promise had still not yet come to fruition. And so Abraham and Sarah, what do we see? They begin to doubt that promise. In Genesis chapter 16, we see the result of their doubt. Sarah says to Abraham in Genesis 16:2, "'The Lord has prevented me from bearing children.'" And then how does she respond? How does she act? She, she instructs Abraham to have a child with her servant, Hagar. How does Abraham respond? He, he agrees, and he goes along with this plan. And as we know, Hagar bears a son, Ishmael. As we would expect, this only caused strife between Abraham and Sarah, rather than bringing them closer to one another and moving them towards the fulfillment of God's promise. And so this brings us to this fascinating story in Genesis 18, I'm sure you're familiar with this one, where these three mysterious men suddenly appear outside of Abraham's tent. As the reader, we are told that this is actually God appearing to Abraham. It's amazing. During their conversation, the Lord says to Abraham, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. If, if you're familiar with this story, you know it's kind of going on behind the scenes right here with Sarah. She's uh, just inside the tent, and she's eavesdropping on this conversation. When she hears that statement about her giving birth to a son, uh, what is her immediate reaction? I'm sure you all know she laughed in disbelief. So why, why does she laugh? Well, the text tells us that Abraham and Sarah were both advanced in years. And it says the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah in other words, uh, I think I can say this, her, her biological, biological clock had, uh, it was no longer ticking. Uh, in fact, I think I would say that it had, uh, it had ended a long time prior to that. From a naturalistic perspective, the idea of Sarah becoming pregnant at her age, it really was completely absurd. But we know that, that God is not bound by anything or in any way. He is the... Giver of life. He is the creator of all things. In this exchange, the Lord even asks Abraham and Sarah, he he asks, is anything too hard for the Lord? And of course, we know the answer to that question. No, nothing is too hard for the Lord. And still, when the Lord called Sarah out, she denied that she had left because she was afraid. From what we've seen of Sarah, we might be wondering, why, why is she included in this uh, Hall of Fame, this Faith Hall of Fame, that here in, 11, in Hebrews chapter 11? And I believe it's a, it's a valid question, but I don't think it's one that should trip us up. In fact, I believe the writer of Hebrews is communicating a powerful truth by including Sarah in the Faith Hall of Fame. And here it is. When our faith is weak and deficient, God remains faithful and he graces us with the confidence and certainty we need to embrace his promises. And like Sarah and Abraham, for that matter, our faith is flawed, but God is perfect in every way, and he is patient with us. From Sarah's example, we learn that faith is having confidence in God's power. Faith that embraces the promises a faith that is confident in God's power. Looking again at the first part of verse 11, we read, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age. How was Sarah able to bear a child at her age? She believed, she knew that God had the power to work a miracle. I want to pause here for a moment and offer a few thoughts on God's power and the work or sorry and the gift of life. God's power and the gift of life. It is easy for us to recognize the the supernatural and intervening work of God in the, the birth of Isaac. But I want us to also remember that that every new life created by God is a miracle and a blessing. Every child conceived is a testimony to, to God's power. But the power of God can also be displayed in a very different scenario, one that also calls for great faith. So this is a, a rather personal story, uh, but, I, but the Lord has placed it on my heart, and, and I believe that it will speak to someone here this evening. And I do want to say on the front end that uh, Chelsea has given me permission to share this, just in, in case you're wondering. <laughs> uh, along with many other couples here at Silverdale, Chelsea and I have been dealing with infertility for for some time. Uh, We've been married for over six years now, and I can say that we both expected to have have children at this point in our marriage. Uh, But it's obvious that that God's plan is a little different than ours. Chelsea and I will continue to seek the Lord and make our request known to Him. But if God, in, in His wisdom, does not decide to give us a biological child, does that mean that he is less than all-powerful? Absolutely not. To be confident in God's power is to believe that he will sustain and uphold us and that he will bring his good work to completion in each of our lives. Continuing on in verse 11 now, we see that Sarah also embraced the promise because she was certain of God's character. Sarah was certain of God's character. Verse 11 says, Sarah considered him faithful who had promised. In his faithfulness, God remains true to his word and he keeps his every promise. One theologian put it this way, the essence of true faith is taking God at his word and relying on him to do as he has promised. See, our faith is not blind. It's not this leap into the unknown. Our faith has an object. It's a solid rock. It's a firm foundation. It's a God who is faithful. While verse 11 highlights the faith of Sarah, we know that together, Abraham and Sarah were convinced of the future blessing. Abraham and Sarah were convinced of the future blessing. And we see this blessing described in verse 12. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Not only was Sarah beyond her childbearing years when she gave birth to Isaac, Abraham was also past his prime. The text here says he was as good as dead. Abraham, he was useless. And yet because Abraham and Sarah had faith, what do we see? We see their offspring multiplying over and over again. This was in direct fulfillment of God's promise. But this happened long after Abraham and Sarah had died. They only had the, the smallest glimpse, just the tiniest taste of God's, of God's promise, God, the fulfillment of God's promise as they sojourned in the land and raised their son. But still, they embraced this promise by faith. Now, we could talk all evening about the many promises that God has made to, to us as his church, but I just want to remind us of one specific promise found in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 11 through 14. This is profound. and it's, it's, it's so important for us to, to, to grasp this promise. The Apostle Paul tells us that in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance of our own. This inheritance includes all the future blessings of our salvation, culminating in our glorification. We have not yet acquired possession of this inheritance, but we have received a down payment. We have been filled and we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. In light of this truth, we have all the more reason to embrace God's promise by faith. Abraham and Sarah pursued the mission by faith, they embraced The promise by faith. And lastly, we find that they sought after a heavenly home. Point number three there faith that seeks a heavenly home. Abraham and his heirs knew deep inside their hearts that even that they would never truly be at home until they were in the eternal presence of the Lord. Even if Abraham had taken possession of the land and experienced the Lord's blessing of countless children, he still would have longed for this heavenly home. And so from these last few verses, I want to quickly point out three marks of a faith that is fixed on heaven. Three marks of a faith fixed on heaven. First, it is a faith that is undaunted by potential crises. A faith that is undaunted by potential crises. If our hope truly lies in something beyond this lifetime, beyond this world, then we have have no reason whatsoever to live in fear. Fear of coming trials, fear of future suffering, or even fear of death itself. We read in verse 13 that these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Abraham and his heirs did not become fearful. They did not become bitter or cynical as they grew old and approached death. Why? Because they had spiritual eyes to see what lied ahead. Therefore, they continued in the faith even as they were taking their very last breath. And then, just like that, in an instant, they had arrived at their heavenly home. I also love this phrase here. Uh, greeted them from afar because it it reminds me of my wedding. Chelsea and I were married in Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, outdoors in in the middle of July. I don't don't know if we thought that all all the way through, but it it all worked out. It was great. Uh, Saying it it was hot would be uh, an understatement, but we survived. Uh, The wedding was in this open-air pavilion, um, and I'd say it had to have been maybe 150 feet long. And, at, and the center aisle went all the way to the back. So when Chelsea came out uh, with her dad and she was standing there, uh, I, could, <laughs> I could just barely kind of make out her face and kind of see her smile a little. I kind of had to like, do one of these things and squint my eyes a little. She was so far away. But even even just that first glimpse, that first greeting from afar, it was enough to captivate my affections it was enough enough to captivate my attention and i believe this is what happens as we seek after and we set our eyes on our heavenly home a faith that is fixed on heaven is also a faith that is undeterred by present circumstances a faith that is undeterred by present circumstances continuing in verse 13 and 14 we read having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. It's safe to say that Abraham and his heirs uh, did not enjoy their sojourning, like, just like I was mentioning earlier about living in a tent. This was not something that they found enjoyment in. However, their, in their situation, they were not discouraged from exercising faith. When it says they acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth, It means that they had accepted that this was their present reality. But it was this present reality that fueled their longing for a future home in heaven, where a stranger becomes a friend and where an exile becomes a resident. By recognizing our identity as sojourners, we are saying these difficult and demanding circumstances that we face every day, they are only temporary. Rather than losing hope and giving in to life's pressures, our less than de- desirable situation, what should it do? It should cause us to seek our heavenly homeland. And third, we'll see there, a faith fixed on heaven will be undistracted by past comforts. Undistracted by past comforts. What does the writer tell us in verse 15? If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. Nothing prevented Abraham from returning to his home in Haran. With its many comforts and conveniences and securities, the opportunity was always there, but not once did Abraham consider returning to that place. Why? Because he understood that the pleasures of this world pale in comparison to the deep joy and satisfaction that comes with walking with God. Church, it's it's impossible to live by faith while holding on to the past. The faith of a sojourner is always forward-looking. And how does God reward those who have a forward-looking faith? We see it here on the outline as well. Because of their faith, Abraham and his heirs are rewarded with a better country. Because of their faith, Abraham and his heirs are rewarded with a better country. And I I want to make this very clear. If you belong to Christ, if you have placed your faith in him, then you are an heir of Abraham. Paul says this very thing in Galatians. That's a truth we have to take hold of. And with that truth in mind, let us read verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. What greater reward could we receive than to spend eternity with our Savior in a city that God himself has prepared for us? We cannot even begin to comprehend just how much better this heavenly country will be. But we have been given these little snapshots throughout Scripture of what this place is like. In the Psalms, we see it described as a place of peace and prosperity. Isaiah, he calls it a holy city filled with joy and comfort and great feasting. And I think, I think we can all get on board with that. Jesus refers to it as a house with many rooms. And the Apostle John, he provides a breathtaking account of his heavenly vision in Revelation 21. If you you feel comfortable doing so, I would encourage you just to, to close your eyes for a moment as I read this short passage and simply allow God's word to minister to you right here in this place. and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the better country, the heavenly city that God has prepared for those who endure in the faith. After a lifetime of sojourning on this earth, How incredible will it be to receive our inheritance and finally arrive at home? Well, Abraham and Sarah, they can answer that question. Isaac and Jacob, they can answer that question as well, along with all of the other saints that have come before us, the great cloud of witnesses. And like I said earlier, we want to be a part of that team. So following in Abraham's footsteps, let us continue sojourning by faith. We do so by pursuing the mission, embracing the promise, and seeking our heavenly home. So as we come to a close here, I just want to leave you with a final thought. There is an important truth that parallels this idea that we are living as sojourners. Like Abraham, we are strangers and exiles here on earth but we also have been declared citizens of heaven. This is our pre- present reality as well. And so here is the takeaway. By faith, sojourners on earth live as citizens of heaven. By faith, sojourners on earth live as citizens of heaven. In Philippians 3.20, Paul writes, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, one day our sojourning will end, either at death or when the Lord returns. The inheritance that we have already obtained by faith, it will finally be in our possession, and we will be at home in the presence of our King. From uh, the words of, of the writer of Hebrews in, in, last chapter, in chapter 10, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let's
0: pray. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.